In every single one of us, there is brokenness. It's what makes us innately human. We are all imperfect creatures living imperfect lives, trying our best to navigate our way to love and acceptance, success and happiness. And today on the podcast, I'm interviewing fellow Light Beamer community member and newly published author, Kimberly Smith. Kim's new book, Beautifully Broken, shares her own journey through the pits of life like divorce, addiction, and tragic loss, and how on the other side of it all, Kim found the beautiful parts of herself that made the brokenness make sense. As you'll hear, Kim's story involves her relationship with Jesus. And what I loved about how Kim shares this part is how approachable and intimate she makes Jesus out to be. And this isn't a conversation about religion, but rather a close relationship to a higher being that helped her look in the mirror and find her own sense of self-worth. I think this conversation is particularly important because after talking with so many women daily about their story, one theme I consistently find is that women are struggling to see or believe their own value and worth. And once upon a time, Kim was right there too. Her story is so raw and real and relatable that I knew she'd make a perfect guest for the show. Plus, I just loved the insight she shared about what it was like to become a first-time author and finding success in the publication of her book. So enjoy this beautiful conversation with author of the new book, Beautifully Broken, Kimberly Smith, on today's Inside Story podcast. Hi, I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of the Inside Story podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Light Beamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Light Beamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. Kim, I'm so excited to have you here today. Just really, really excited to dive into this topic about sharing your own story and the process that you've gone through to not only really dig deeper into your story, but then to share that story as a published author by creating and sharing your first book very recently, the beautifully broken book that we are going to um, talk much about today. So I'm excited that you're here and thank you for, thank the, you. for coming. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for yes, having me. You're so welcome. Um, a lot of women in my community will already know who you are because you've been really visible and showing up a lot in that in our space lately. But for you know those that haven't really explored your your story and know your story, much less read your book, I want to kind of take people through really what it's been like for you to even explore storytelling. Mm -hmm. and uncover your story. And then we'll get into the process of writing the book and what that's been like for you. Okay. So for you, when did you 
first realized that you wanted to share your story? Like, what was that like? Well, I really started digging into my story when I started a ministry with um, one of my best friends um, years and years ago. It feels like eons ago, but about 16, 17 years ago, uh, really just birthed out a tragedy in my life and her life and some things that our kids were going through. And we decided to start a ministry for teenagers that were struggling with destructive behaviors, either their own or a family member's. And from that, it was just a natural thing for me to start telling my story, right? And, and at the time, it was very much their story and what had happened in my daughter's lives and what brought me to that point. Um, as I went on in the years with Journey to Dream, I had more people want to understand my story, my personal story. And so I started telling that in about 2011, I think, was the first time that I publicly shared it. And um, just really, you know, Felt like God was was pushing me, urging me to get my story out there. And so did that through the book. Yeah. Well, when you first, you know, and this is one of the things that we, I talk about a lot with women is when they first like explore that, what is it going to be like to share my story and dig that out? What were some of your biggest hangups about it? Like what were some of the fears or, you know, concerns or things like that, that you yeah. personally experienced around sharing your story? So many, right? I, <laughs> um, you know, at first, I think I was nervous about putting my stuff out there. Not really so much for because I was embarrassed. I, you know, clearly I worked through years of shame and getting to the point where I'm actually proud of my story and you know, fine telling it. But I worried about how it would affect my parents putting that information out there. And then obviously my daughters and even, even my sons now and my, my husband. But I think, you know, the other hurdle was the people that were part of my story and part of the negative parts of my story. And that was really difficult to navigate through telling my story, sharing my story, but also honoring the people that I love and the people that have been, been part of even some of the hardest parts of my story. And so how did you reconcile that? How did you decide, where did you land in terms of sharing your story and finding a balance of protecting and, you know, not throwing other people under the bus, so to speak? Because I know that's one of the things that I hear from a lot of other women around sharing their story is like, I can't share that story because it includes so many other people and I don't want to hurt them. How did you reconcile that? I think, and my ex-husband, when he, he called me after he had listen to the book. He lists, I mean, he got the audio version or, um, so he, after he went through the book first, he said, thanks for not using my last name. And that really wasn't intentional, but you know, I did all throughout the book, um, only use first names of people that were part of my story. And, you know, I think that I had a great editor and publisher that was wonderful at kind of guiding me through the process. And that was one of the things that I talked to her about before we even got started was that, you know, there are some, some pretty dark parts of my story. And there are even parts that, you know, I haven't shared with my sons or that, you know, they're too young. And so there, there were things that I kept out of the book um, just to make sure that I was protecting them and their little hearts. Right. But, you know, it, it was definitely difficult and challenging to write the book and talk about the mess and the pain and the shattering and, and still try to honor and respect the people that were part of it. 
Well, let's get in and give the listeners a real kind of sense of what the book was actually is in that book, <laughs> right? Like yeah. what story talking about, because you do have one of those stories that is very, it's multi-layered, right? It's multi-layered yeah. because there were multiple things that you were experiencing. And a lot of the things that you experienced were pattern and patterns and behaviors that kept coming up and kept coming up that were very destructive, right? Which I can understand right. how that obviously led you to eventually build your ministry helping teens who might be also involved in very destructive behavior either their own or others around them because you kind of lived that life for a while so could you give everyone a sense of like what exactly is your story like what what are the things that you decided to share with others you know i I, first i always say that i have very loving parents i want to make sure that i always honoring them when i talk about my story but uh have four parents actually that love me very much and have always been um, affectionate and wonderful to me. You know, in my childhood, there was some abuse that happened that my parents did not know about Mm -hmm. um, that I I really believe was the first time that I had this kind of this pit of shame, right? That place that you would rather numb. And, And I didn't even really know by the time I was 10 or 11, what that was. But from there, when I was in fifth grade, my mother's best friend was very brutally murdered and it was just a horrific, horrific murder. And so it was very traumatic for our family and for my brother and I, especially at the ages that we were. And so those, those two things combined started a pattern with me of medicating for sure. And that medicating over the years meant alcohol to men or boys to drug to overachieving, you know, I mean, that was, that was an addiction of mine too, was getting that applause and that pat on the back for doing something right or well. Um, and so, you know, I, I joke that I was really blessed that the, the addiction gene in me did not latch onto one thing, right? So there wasn't a complete spiral or bottom for me, um, so to speak, in, in medicating and in, in that lifestyle, but I did get into some very destructive and painful, traumatic relationships as a teenager. And which just continued, like you said, it was just definitely a pattern with me. You know, I loved the bad boy and I loved the, you know, thought that I could change him or fix him or save him. And, you know, my mom laughs because she said I came out of the womb trying to save people. So that <laughs> which my... is why you went into ministry, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think my pattern with boys and men became the thing that destroyed me the most. And so whether it was thinking I needed to be sexy or equating sex with love far too early in life and Again, getting into some abusive relationships that were very painful. Um, I was date raped in college by some guys that I thought were my friends. And that was very traumatic. And, you know, from there, I just seemed to land on boys that needed saving (laughs) or men that needed saving. They might not appreciate me saying that today, but, you know, I did, you know, either whether it was their drug use or, Um, their own addictions and demons, I thought that I could help them get rid of those, not realizing that I had my own that Mm -hmm. I wasn't dealing with, right? So what would you say was the biggest shift 
out of that because you know obviously you're on the other side of the of that story because you now have written the book which um, really details a lot of that and kind of talks about your journey through as you just said sort of saving yourself can you talk about what was the was there a pivotal moment or was there a series of events or a season in your life where you began to change and make different decisions and what did that look like for you it was a little bit of both because, you know, I think I, I've been I'm married, this is my third time to be married. So I went through two very painful divorces, destruct, uh, just from, they were very difficult divorces. And, you know, at that point, when I went through my first divorce, I remember really thinking, okay, I need to get my act together. I need to be choosing the right kind of man for my daughters. And it, for me, that looked like I'm just going to jump into the church thing because, you know, I didn't grow up a church child, so to speak. Um, I think I was pretty unchurched growing up, but I felt like that was what was going to save my daughters. And that was what was going to bring a decent godly man into my life. And um, just went about it. You know, I don't think it was that unusual the way I went about it, but you know, now it's humorous to me. You know, I really believe that if I did these certain things and I, you know, had my quiet time and I went on mission trips and I, taught scripture to my daughters and I was doing all the right things, listening to worship music all the time, no secular music that, you know, I was going to have this amazing favor with God and that, you know, he was going to end up bringing me, I call it white picket fences in my book, but that he was just going to pour out blessing on me because, you know, I had asked for forgiveness for all of my ugliness and mess in my past. Um, and then I was trying desperately to do the right thing and work to earn his favor and, um, ended up meeting a pastor online. I met my second husband online and he was a bivocation pastor. And so for me, it was just kind of that ding, 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 this is it. He's the one. And, and, you know, God's totally brought him to you and look, you're going to have this perfect family and this perfect marriage and, um, a man that leads your children and all of those things. And sadly, it was not that at all. There were obviously very good times in our marriage and we did life together and raised kids and even did ministry, loved doing ministry together. But um, we were both still very broken from uh, traumatic events in our past. And so there was infidelity in that marriage that because infidelity had played a role in my first divorce and then it happened in my second marriage, um, it, it was absolutely shattering to me. And I say that in the book, it was definitely the lowest point of my life is, yeah, I never thought I'd be divorced once, much less twice. And then the fact that I really believed that God had been part of that marriage and, and bringing us together. The, what did I miss Lord? You know, what did I not hear or what did I do wrong? I mean, it was just mm -hmm. all this mix of emotions and, and pain. And there was one night that I was really at my lowest point, I believe ever in my life, to be honest with you. And there was a bottle of Tylenol PM in my bathroom. And I just felt this voice saying, go, go take the Tylenol PM, take the bottle and mm -hmm. you will be out of pain and you'll be with Jesus. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I, I would give anything to be with Jesus right now and be mm -hmm. out of this pain. You know, and that was just my immediate thought. And then it was a, a very quick, oh my gosh, where are you even going with this? And, you know, this is not from God or this is, you know, wrong or, 
So I immediately got off my bed and went and sat on my couch and was just praying and crying and talking to God. And, you know, it was the first time that I ever said, Lord, fix me, you know, always in my past, it had been, well, fix him or, you know, change his habits or, you know, fix our relationship or whatever it was. It was never, mm -hmm. I never allowed it to be me. I always wanted to blame whoever I was with for all the problems and the mess and, you know, the infidelity or whatever. And so it was the first time that I was willing to say, you know, fix me, God, whatever this takes, whatever the process is, I want to be healed. I want to be whole. And he took me through that process. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> well, we'll get into that, that latter part in just a minute, but I want to unpack a couple of things that you shared even in just this, this piece of like the kind of the, the, the biggest shattering that took place and in this behavior, right? Like this, like, oh, I just need to go be good. I just need to live the straight life. You know, like I need to go to church and if I do all the right things and I tick off all the right boxes, then everything, all my problems are going to go away. And this will be the life that I'm looking for. Right. And I think that this is such a common pattern with women is that we, and we've been told this too, honestly, in society and with a, you know, especially a patriarchal society that we live in that just be the good girl, like, just go be the good girl, just do what you're supposed to do. Just play the game, sit over there and look cute and be quiet. And then everything else will be okay. And what we're not really told is like, that's not true. That's right. not really how it works. Right. That there's a lot of things that we have to uncover for ourselves around self-worth, love, acceptance that can't come from external places, right? It has to come within. And with you sitting down and saying, Lord, fix me, right? Mm -hmm. um, did you find that that's what was missing? Like when God started working on you and taking on this, taking you on this healing journey, which you talk a lot about in the book, Beautifully right. Broken. Um, what was it that was missing for you all those years? I think you hit it, the nail on the head. I think that for me, it was definitely finding my worth outside of myself or even my relationship with God, right? Those messages, which I really talk about in the book and even in our book club that we've been doing with some women is just that negative self-talk, you know, and mine was so ingrained. And I, I had a pastor once ask me, you know, what are the three messages that you get most often that you think, you know, started in childhood and have come to this point and, you know, mine were worthless, you're worthless, I'm worthless, you know, I'm invisible and I'm dirty. You know, for me, I could see how often the enemy would just bring situations or messages that would just remind me of those, those same negative thoughts. And I felt so buried in those. And I think for so long, I had tried to be what the world wanted me to be, I guess mm -hmm. you could say, yeah. I, you know, first I wanted to be whatever my parents wanted me to be. And then I wanted to be whatever my bosses wanted me to be and, or my sorority sisters, you know, it was just a constant journey of, oh, who do they need me to be? What do I need to be to earn their praise or earn their, you know, uh, hearts like so they'll like me, whatever it was. And so I just continued this crazy people pleasing, you know, hamster wheel, whatever you want to call it, that was so destructive. And when I really started paying attention to, 
you know, what does God say about me? And that's kind of what Pastor Rod worked me, walked me through during that season of healing is that, you know, okay, yes, your message is I'm worthless. And that's can keeps you in this defeated, you know, destructive place because what we think we end up feeling and what we feel we believe and whatever we believe about ourselves is how we act. And um, it just creates this destiny for us, good or bad. And so he really had me work on, okay, what's the, what does God say about you? He doesn't say you're worthless, right? And so I spent a lot of time studying God's word and what does he say about me and what does he say about us as his children and had, I'm a big, obviously I love words because I wrote a book, but love <laughs> words. It's my love language. And so, you know, I had sticky notes. I had stuff on my mirrors. I mean, you name it. I was just, I, I kept it everywhere so that I could see every single day, either something positive or affirming to myself or something in scripture that told me who I was in God's eyes. And you, you list a lot of those in the book. One of the things that I love about your book is in the back, well, all throughout the book, there's kind of like these little notations. And then you list things in the back that give the reader, give that woman more of that context and those resources. And you list quite a few of those scriptures that, you know, really spoke to you about who you really are and the worth and the value that you bring to the world as a human being, right? And, and those were foundational for you. They've obviously been foundational for years uh, for many people. Right. And you share those in the book. Um, another thing that I love about how you wrote the book was each chapter kind of gets this little piece called lessons learned. And a lot of what our stories really are, right? is just about some of the lessons that we learn from the experiences that we've been through. Once we're on the other side of that story, hopefully we can actually look at those with a perspective around what did I learn and how could someone else use this? Which I know was really the intention behind the book is not only just mm. to share your story, but to speak out a story that so many other women are living or have lived and give them the framework and the tools that supported you through your own journey that may help them. Can you give us a little idea of what writing the book and sharing that healing journey and the things that you've done to get on the other side of that very self-destructive, the brokenness that you experienced all throughout much of your adult, you know, childhood and adult mm -hmm. life until midlife, really, until you went on this journey. Can you share how writing about that journey, what that did for you? Because mm -hmm. you'd already had the healing journey, right? Yes. And now you're ready to write the book, but then you go to write the story. What happened then? <laughs> well, I, I felt, you know, for a couple of years, God nudging me to tell my story. And I didn't know if that was in a book format or if that was public speaking, what that looked like. And so I, you know, kept telling him, okay, provide an opportunity or, you know, show me where you want me to tell my story and I'll do it. And then I really felt like I, you know, when I stepped down from journey to dream um, in, the, in that ministry, not that long ago, I really felt, okay, the Lord is giving you this time and this space to write your book, to write your story. So I started it and <laughs> every time, you know, I would, I could barely get through the childhood pieces. Right. And then I would just be like, 
oh, this is horrible. Like this is depressing. And this is who would want to read this stuff? You know, it was just very sad this the when I talked about the trauma or the abuse or the things that happened in my life that were really hard. Um, it just didn't feel good. It didn't feel right. And so there was actually a time in January last year that I was doing a devotional and with some uh, other girlfriends. And there was just a morning that I was really grappling with it and feeling like I needed some direction and some clarity on what God wanted me to be doing with my life in 2020. And I felt him very clearly say to my heart, tell our story, not your story, tell our story. And it was just this, it was like a, you know, huge load had been taken off. And I was like, yes, I can get behind that. I can tell our story because it's a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I had definitely got to the place in my healing where I could just see God's hand on me, you know, even those really tough places, you know, and I had, I had done the work, even, even in that abuse as a little girl, I remember in my bedroom one time after I was you know, really doing some healing work with the Lord. And I remember sitting on my floor and crying to him and saying, where were you? Like, why, why, why did you let that happen? It changed everything in my childhood Mm -hmm. and life. Right. It, and so I, I just remember sitting in that and crying and he just gave me this picture in my mind of, you know, like Jesus was standing over me as a little girl with his hand on me and he was crying And it was just this moment of, I was there, I was crying, I was there, I was, you know, I never left your side, right? And so um, those kind of things, he's just blessed me so much in doing those kind of things. But um, I think that writing, writing my story and from a perspective of the healing and the recovery and the work that I had done to get to a healthy happy place, mm-hmm. um, was it, it felt honestly pretty easy for me. I mean, it was just, I had, once my, you had that, once you had yes. that realization that you're going to tell the yes. whole story, right. Okay. Then it felt so much easier to me. And, you know, it was hard at times, but it was, it was very easy to talk about what God had done in my life. And it was interesting to me because I hadn't planned on the lessons learned, but as I went through each chapter, of my life, I could look at it and say, gosh, you know, when I finally got the healing for that inner little girl in me and and she got the healing that she needed, you know, that's what kind of helped me heal and process through the childhood stuff. Right. And so every chapter was interesting to, for me to go back and say, what did I learn during that time? Or what did I learn about that time? It might not have been when I was a little girl, but you know, when I processed all of that with in counseling and therapy and stuff like that, but it's been more amazing. I think after publishing the book and getting it out there, having women, you know, write me or say to me that, you know, Hey, I'm trying, I'm trying this exercise or I'm doing this every day to help with my negative self-talk or to heal the little girl in me or whatever it was it's been just incredible to get the response and know that, you know, even if it's one woman, it's made a difference in their journeys and in their, and starting their own healing. 
Well, and that's what I love about storytelling, right? Is that, (laughs) that this is what we get to do. We get to share our stories and then hear ourselves in other people's stories. So like for myself, and I've read your book, you know, I didn't take the same path as you in terms of, um, you know, I haven't had significant trauma, like the ones that you described in your childhood. I never really got into addictive, destructive pattern behavior around, I mean, sure, I dated some bad boyfriends, so give me a wrong, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't something that ruled my life. I didn't get into drugs. I just didn't go into all those. I didn't go in that avenue. Yet, I also know what it feels like to not feel you know, my best or feel worthy or sometimes compete for attention, you know, of others and want to feel praise and notice where those things might be showing up in my own life that could be getting in the way of actually truly living happily ever after, so to speak. Right. And so that is what I love about telling stories and hearing other people's stories is, and I always say this is that your audience may not have the same exact story as you, but they will be able to see themselves in your story because they've lived similar. They've, they've lived experiences that left them feeling similar feelings. Right. It's the feelings and the it emotions is the feelings. Yes. that connect our stories. Right. Yeah. Yep. So that's why when I read your book, I was so connected to it and felt like you really were speaking to all women. Uh, I just know there were, cause you really, again, your, your story is multi-layered and there were many things that happened and you sort of, uh, you know, and I, I, looking back, right. I can see, and I, I don't, I'm sure, well, I don't want to assume, but I can see how your story was being used from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just been your journey to, to experience all of your story so that you could then go and share these words. Otherwise you would not have a book in your hand. You would not be sharing these stories with other women. You would not be offering up exercises that could help them. It's all part of the plan. Right. Do you see that as well, that when you think about that time of like, gosh, Lord, where were you? Where were you in that room when that abuse happened? You know, why did this happen? Do you see now that the story has a point? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's part of my reason on wanting so much to get out and talk to other women or get the book in their hands, because I I think that he allows us to go through the things that we go through and the experiences that we have. And in the book, I call it your shape, right? And it's, that comes from purpose-driven life. But I think that, like you said, we all have a story and we all have experiences and the feelings that we can relate to in each other is what connect us. Um, but it does encourage, you know, I, I talk about support groups a lot because I did them with teens for so long and I clearly I was part of my own support groups too, but it's just, there's something freeing and healing and hearing someone else talk about might be a different situation, but how they felt in that situation. And you're like, oh yeah, I felt that too. I just think when we can, and I I can't pinpoint an age is so different for everybody, but Mm -hmm. when you can get to that point and say, gosh, yeah, I've had some hard things happen, or I've had some devastation in my life or tragedy or trauma, um, but God's using it, right? It's redemptive. And 
there was a there was a plan and a purpose all along for it. And so it's that's very empowering to me. And I want it to be empowering to so many other women that, you know, God's given you this unique story and this unique experience that nobody else has. Um, and so share it. I'm curious what or how do you how do you deal with women who may be coming to you and saying, but Kim, I don't know if I believe in God or I don't know this man, Jesus, that you speak of. What do you say to the woman about reading your reading your book and hearing your story if that is not what they're interested in or that's not something they're ready for? You know, I think although God is my, my faith is definitely woven all through the book for sure. Um, there's no question of reading the book where I stand um, <laughs> in my own faith and and belief in Jesus. But I, you know, I also know from working with teenage girls and other women that they don't have to have the same belief system I do to get the healing and to walk through some of those steps and some of those exercises. You know, for me, if, if they explore the Jesus thing, that's a big win for me, but you know, that's their own choice and decision, right? And so I think that there's so much more to the book about healing that they could still read it. And, and I'm not, well, I did, I had somebody tell me one time that if I could sell anything, I should sell Jesus. <laughs> yeah. You are a self-proclaimed <laughs> Jesus freak, right? Let's get that I out. Am. Yes, I am. I am. But, you know, I also wholeheartedly believe that it, everyone's walk is different and yeah. Yeah. everyone has to you know, for me, it's an intimate relationship with him. And so there, there's no book or thing that can tell you how to do that, right? It's, it's up to us to figure out our faith and what we believe. Well, one of the things that you've been able to do as a result of publishing this book and getting it out into the world and sharing it with more women is that you've been able to create community around it. And it's it's um, its, its own form of support group, as you mentioned in the book and even just now in here with us is that support groups have played a big role and you're a big believer in them. And you're now creating your own sense of support um, in the community that you've created uh, that comes from the book, obviously. And there, in, I've heard you say, um, I belong to that community with you. And, and I've heard you say many times, like, this isn't, this isn't really about religion mm-hmm. or, you know, what faith you belong to or, or, or not, right? It really is like, everyone is welcome yeah. to have a seat at the table to have these conversations because it really will be different for each person. And yeah. I think that's important to point out. I know that you know, there may be a listener that um, doesn't believe in God or doesn't know Jesus. And we wouldn't want them to not have these conversations if that's not where they are on their journey. And obviously, like you said, you would hope that they would come through that finding something that, that does have meaning and purpose. Mm -hmm. And for you, that definitely has been God and Jesus. And um, if you can lead more people to that direction, that would be a win, but everyone does have to experience their own journey and, and make those choices accordingly. But the fact that you have this community, what, um, tell us a little bit more about what has unfolded after the publishing of a book, Mm -hmm. right? Like becoming a first time author. I think that it's an experience like no other because you've never done it before. And I know that there's a lot of people that are fascinated by the process 
probably because they're thinking, I wonder what it would be like to write a book and publish it. So could you share some of the cool things that have come out of becoming an author and publishing a book that maybe you didn't expect as much and share some of those fun things with us? It's been, there's been a lot of that, that unexpected. Mm -hmm. I really thought I'll write this book, you know, maybe 25 of my closest friends will buy it and, (laughs) you know, and then that will be it. And so there really wasn't a plan in my mind of, okay, what's going to happen after you write the book. And, you know, I, I, first and foremost, I had an incredible editor and publisher, right. And she is actually the one that talked to me about marketing the book and where I want to get the book out and how do I want to do speaking engagements and things like that, which is what led me back to you um, to say, okay, if I'm going to have to be visible, April's going to have to help me (laughs) get get visible. And you're still, bless your heart, trying. But, um, you know, I'm doing great. You're here sharing the story. All right. That's true. I'm here. I'm here. But, you know, I, I have had so many women message me and tell me, you know, things about their past or intimate details about their lives um, that some of them have never shared with anybody else on the planet. Mm -hmm. And so I I realized really quickly that my being able to be vulnerable and transparent and share my stuff and still love myself, right? Like there was nothing in my sharing my story that I was like, oh, and I'm the worst person in the world, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, I have forgiven myself and worked, like I said, done all the shame work and all of that. And so I think it's given women this, oh, okay, well, I'm, this is my third marriage and I don't have to be ashamed of it or, you know, whatever it is. Um, It's been very interesting to see so many women feel like I really felt horrible about that. And I was stuck in a shameful place because of it. And reading the book just helped me you know, or allowed me to realize that I don't, I shouldn't be in that place, right? That I shouldn't be stuck in, in shame or which just causes more and more destructive behaviors. Yeah. I'm really curious. And, uh, because you have walked a, a path of faith and actually actively engaging in religion and going to church and all of those things. I am curious what your take is on how much church organized religion, not Jesus and God, I'm taking, this is different, but how much churches and organized religion sometimes play a role in the way women feel about their Mm. mistakes? Well, (laughs) (laughs) I have strong feelings about that. Well, tell us what they are. (laughs) (laughs) This is the show where you can share. Right. And I honestly, I'm asking because I have strong feelings and opinions of it as well. So I'd love to, let's just, I want to go there. Like it's a, it's an important conversation to have, and I don't want to be afraid of those conversations. So let's, I really am asking, because I'm curious how you see it. I I think for me, it, it boils down to loving people the way that Jesus would. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we always get that in organized religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it, there are definitely the Pharisees that want to tell us what to do and how to do it. And, and it's more legalistic mm-hmm. um, and the approach. And so I just, I have not found that in my own personal walk with the Lord. He's been, you know, not judgmental, not condemning, not, you know, none of that with me personally. And so 
especially with my second divorce, you know, there were, there were people in the church that, because you you were married to a pastor. Let's go back to that. You were married to a pastor who caused some infidelity in your relationship that eventually led to a divorce. So there there's that. Yeah. There was a lot of, um, pressure I would say, or pushing to just continue to forgive and to, you know, just kind of be quiet and, and be the supportive wife. And, you know, if it happens again, you just continue to support and trust and have faith and pray. And, you know, for me, that did nothing but make me feel less and less and less of a woman and a person. Right. And so it wasn't until I finally had the strength and the boundaries to say, you know, here's my bottom line here's, here's what's not going to happen again in this house or marriage or I'm out. And so, you know, I, I, I don't think the church does a good job of showing that grace to women that are struggling or going through divorce. You know, I have a, I have a really tough time with the way that the church handles the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially working with teenagers and so many of my kiddos were transgender or LGBTQ and, you know, so it, it's, that's been really hard to kind of work on and figure out. And, but I, you know, I just had to come to a place that I know Jesus loves me, you know, and I'm a hot mess sometimes. And, I love my LGBTQ friends and don't feel any desire or need to tell them what they should and shouldn't do or how they should be living their life. Or I, ha- I always come at it from a very non-judgmental place because I believe that that's the way Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And so I think that he's never condemning or places us in, in a seat of judgment you know, it's always with just open arms and love and you know what, come as you are. Right. And so when I could finally get to a place where if I was mean to my kids or I was, you know, horrible to my husband, or I did something, you know, even worse, had way too much wine, whatever it was, you know, when I finally got to a place where I didn't feel like hiding that from the Lord, like this little, let me just, you know, I'm not going to do my, (laughs) as if he didn't know, right. (laughs) Right. Let me, let me just not do my quiet time for a few days because I don't want to interact and you know, whatever. But instead, when I got to the place where I was like, that was a really disgusting thought I just had, sorry, God, you know, help change my thinking about that. Or, you know, it just became this dialogue with God of, you know, help me speak to my kids through me you know, help me make this decision, make this decision through me or speak, you know, through me to these people, whatever it is, that's been, you know, that's been how I've approached it the most. I don't, I think everybody's walk with the Lord is is their own personal walk. And I think it should be. Yeah. Well, thank you for answering that. It's something that um, I ask because I am asking a lot of those questions myself um, around my own faith and how I see, uh, women specifically, regardless of trauma and shame and divorce or any of those things, but just women, um, how I've seen, and I get to say this cause I'm a woman. Um, so I, you know, make no apologies about that, but just how I've seen, um, certain churches, um, treat women and it's become something that I've become really passionate about. And what it's done for me is just, is um, honestly, this podcast was born from some of that frustration and anger. Cause I thought, well, I'm going to go get a little bit louder 
you know, mm-hmm. because they don't want me to be loud. So I'm going to go be loud. They don't want me to believe certain things and I'm going to go share my beliefs. And, you know, so there's been some, yet I still am also, you know, like an active community member of a church and believe in what's possible that can take place inside of a church. But, you know, I also am giving myself to permission, permission with each and every sermon and each and every interpretation to decide for myself whether or not that feels right and true and authentic. And so uh, this goes back to being a critical thinker. And this is something that I was taught very young as an early, very early, you know, young child was to make up my own mind. Don't just decide because someone else says so, but to make up my own mind. And that is something that my mom taught me at a very young age, when something, a question was posed or something, and I might ask a question, oftentimes she wouldn't answer. And she would just say, well, April, what do you think? And it's such a powerful thing Mm -hmm. to give a young girl permission to speak what she thinks. And so that obviously has um, played a role in and even what I do for a living, um, you know, and, and things like this, and even having conversations like the one we're having. But that's the reason why I asked, because I've had my own experiences. And of course, I've t- interviewed thousands of people. And a lot of them have told me similar stories of like, you know, I don't go to church anymore, because they shamed me, or they made me feel bad, or they told me I was a horrible person, or, you know, there are a lot of stories of like, like that out there, which again is why I think your book is so important because your book really does show women there is a way to have a relationship with the spirit, the divine, God, Jesus, you know, to really um, have a relationship without it being part of, you know, organized religion, if that doesn't mm-hmm. work for you, that it just, and that's right. okay if it doesn't work for you. Right. So I think it's, those are important conversations to have. The book Beautifully Broken also includes uh, a lot of your ministry is around Beautifully Broken times three. Can you talk to, about what the times three is? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Um, without going into their stories, I'll let them do that. But um, the times three is me and both my daughters. Mm-hmm. So Haley and Anna or Anna McKenzie. And, um, you know, they, for many years, I was a single mom, just, and it was just the three of us for almost 10 years and kind of just us against the world. Right. And so close. And I would never say that I didn't love those years, even as hard as it was to be a single mom, simply because we are so bonded today. I think because of that, right. We're so incredibly close and, um, but they both have had their own journeys and both with trying to figure out what they believe and do they believe in the same God that I believe in and where's their faith land. Um, But also just trying to work through some of their own tragedies and traumas from their childhood. They've, they've had a a tough road. Um, My first ex-husband went to prison and was addicted to crystal meth. And so I, you know, don't go much into their story, but it was extremely traumatic and devastating mm-hmm. for them to live through all of that. They both probably two years ago, three years ago, started getting to this place. They're in their twenties now. And so they both started getting to this place where they were starting to figure out their own healing and they were starting to process things as adults. Right. And, um, 
when I saw that, I just thought, wow, there's something really powerful that the three of us have. Um, They're both incredible writers and they're great at speaking, although they're not confident yet in that, but they're really good at speaking publicly. But I I heard a song called uh, Beautifully Broken. And when I heard it, I just thought, oh, that's so us. Like we are so beautifully broken, right? And I love the scripture um, from Isaiah 61 that talks about beauty from ashes. And so it just kind of all came together at the same time. And I messaged them, they're both in Austin. I messaged them and said, hey, what if we do a blog and I told them what I wanted to call it and why and all that. And so we started talking about it. And I don't think that they really thought that I would stick with it or much less write a book, <laughs> write a book. Right. And so, um, but so they are my times three, you know, I love being on this journey with them. I, like I said, they're, they're 20. And so I know from my own journey that, you know, they've still got a lot to, to learn and process and figure out, but they're so brave and they're so courageous in in the way that they approach life and they approach their issues and their heart and things like that that you know I, I I think it's it's really cool it's a cool story for us together as mothers and as a mother and daughters well I love it because um it is an example that these stories not only repeat right like the stories that have been told are the same stories that have been told since the beginning of time right quite honestly um, this is why I always, when people, sometimes when I go to interview someone and they're like, okay, well, I'm not really sure if you're ready for this, you know, cause they've got some <laughs> big story to tell me. And I'm like, trust me, I've heard it all because they're all really the same, but that, right. that it's, it's cyclical and it's generational. Right. And very. so it's very important to say that though, you know, woman who's in her fifties and whatever, you know, later in life, midlife and beyond can actually be having some same experience as, uh, you know, like your daughters in their twenties, um, it's going to look different and the processing may not be as far along, but the stories are still relatable. So that's, what's so cool about how you bring your daughters into the ministry that you lead today in talking with women is, is that they also get to be a voice. They also mm-hmm. get to be a voice. Should they choose? Like you said, like when they're ready to tell their own stories, they will, but maybe they pop in and they do, they write some of the blogs and they've appeared in some of your live streams on social media <laughs> and stuff like that. But I think it's really important to show different faces of, of what the stories can look like and showing that age difference is important too. Yeah. I think the age thing is huge mm-hmm. because I, I think that today's young girls, whether they're preteen or teens or college age or, you know, early twenties, they need that beginning of that. Gosh, I am okay. Exactly the way that I am. You know, I am enough exactly who I am. And um, there's so much peer pressure. There's so much craziness that goes on during that, that phase of life that, yeah, I think that it's very powerful for them to go, Oh, me too. Or, Oh yeah, I have that thought too. Or I, you know, sometimes don't like myself or whatever it is, the insecurities even are important to talk about because they need to know that they're not alone and they need to know that what they're experiencing is normal and okay. And so that's really why I want Haley and Anna to be, to be vocal and to be a part of it is just that I think that there, there are some things that can happen in those formative years and young years that if done right might save them from 
being 54 and figuring it all out, right? Yeah, you get to shortcut the process. Maybe they figure it out a little bit earlier. And that's what we want. We want that for all women. We want that for all women. You know, and again, it's really no matter where you are on the timeline, um, when you're ready, you'll be ready. And hopefully we can reach some of these women sooner rather than later. And that's the important thing about the book. You know, you sharing your book, you, well, first of all, you writing your book and then sharing your story and being willing to show up and be visible (laughs) that story. And with the book is that you are giving that gift to so many others. So thank you so much for being brave and for doing that work and going on that journey with, with Jesus and sharing (laughs) it with other people. And we're going to link up all of Kim's information in the show notes and most definitely give you a link to find her book on Amazon, Beautifully Broken. And um, thank you so much for being my guest today. I've just enjoyed this conversation you, as always, as I love I you dearly. I love you too. And thank such you. A beautiful piece of our beautiful person inside of our Light Beamers community. So that's another place that of course you can connect with Kim <laughs> and her hanging out with us in yes. our community, as well as her own community on Facebook. Um, around Beautifully Broken. So we will link up all of that information and share that with you. Everyone go and think about this today and remember that you are maybe broken, but you're beautifully broken. And I hope that you will find um, the words of Kim landing right where they need to land for you. Thanks, Kim. Thank you. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you next time. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. Now, did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the homepage to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too. So be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.